This is Josh Israel. I'm a medical director at Alidade, and this is the ACO Show. And we are joined today by a repeat guest, Dr. Josh Lowentritt of New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, Dr. Lowentritt has a lot of jobs. He's a practicing primary care internist. He's a nephrologist. He's the medical director of uh, some nursing homes, dialysis units, and he is the CEO of the Louisiana Physicians Alidade Accountable Care Organization. So welcome back to the show, Josh. Thank you. So we are in the midst, obviously, of a time none of us have ever seen before. New York City right now is getting a lot of press as a place that's been hit pretty hard by the COVID-19 situation, but also New Orleans. How are things from where you sit? Um, I have to use polite language, but it's a real mess. Um, We have, in, in terms of counties, we're the number six county or parish in the country in terms of coronavirus, uh, you know, per capita. Um, we think that the virus started spreading around during Mardi Gras when there were at least a million people in the streets, guests, international. And then the virus sort of percolated in the background for about two weeks after Mardi Gras, which, as we know, is the perfect amount of time for it to outbreak and not know about it. And then all of a sudden we start seeing hospitalizations initially from one nursing home. Um, and, and now we've got more than 600 confirmed cases in the city right now. And we know that our testing is mostly five to seven days behind. We know that we have um, nearly half of the ventilators and ICU capacity of the town um, in a, about 10 hospitals is taken up with coronavirus. W- one hospital a small hospital with 50 beds has 45 with coronavirus. They have 10 ventilators for their 10 ICU beds. Um, what one small hospital filled up their ICU uh, by Sunday and had to tr- start transferring patients. Um, at my hospital, uh, it's been extraordinary. We normally have two ICUs with about 20, 22 patients. Um, we've now stood up additional ICUs and we have capacity now for 40 or 40 or more ICU and ventilator patients. And thankfully, you know, we're not, we're not there yet. Um, it's, it's extraordinary time. There's such anxiety. There's such fear. Um, it, it's, it's new. It's a different disease. You can tell people about the flu, but the flu doesn't kill people like this. So this is a extraordinary level of anxiety in town. It's got the populace on edge. We've been locked down like a lot of places. We've now got a federal and state disaster uh, declaration. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's the things that you hear about in a movie, in a science fiction movie, um, but it's real. And, and yet it still seems unbelievable, um, but it's happening. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of pieces to that, but, but the update from New Orleans is it's very active right now. We're expecting um, a surge of cases of patients, uh, a surge of misery over the next 10 days that is expected to, um, uh, we're, not, we're not sure we're gonna be able to handle it. And that's got all the doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, hospitals, got everyone on edge. I know you have friends and colleagues who work in some of these acute care settings, and I have heard that New Orleans people are already working to exhaustion, and as you say, it's only just begun. 
Yeah, so um, a very good friend of mine, um, a surgeon, is admitted with uh, coronavirus. Um, his wife, who's a patient of mine, is admitted with coronavirus. They've got it pretty bad in their lungs. Um, we're, we're praying for them. It's um, really hard to imagine, uh, but, yep, we've got physicians, um, you know, in a not intensive care, but in the hospital. We've got emergency room physicians who are uh, infected, quarantining at home. Um, we've got nurses, dialysis nurses, nursing home um, that are sick, that are at home. In my office by itself, I've got a nurse practitioner out. I've got one of my clinical managers out. I've got five or six employees who have been out already. Um, I've had two of my doctors in my own clinic tested because they started having mild symptoms and they were worried because of patient exposures that they were sick. Fortunately, those, those tests all came back negative. Um, but it's, it's pretty intense right now, pretty intense. And what's it been like in your own practice? I understand you've, you've cared for some patients directly with, with COVID-19. Yeah, um, it, it's been um, very, very challenging. Um, we, you know, our practice has been here 40 plus years. A lot of the families we take care of, we took care of their parents. Now we're taking care of them in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. One of my partners, um, He's, he's lost four patients. Um, I, I had a patient uh, who was, who was in, in independent living, like several of the initial patients here who got sick. Um, and I had just seen him in the office. I, in fact, he, was the, he actually was the person who sponsored me into my Mardi Gras crew, into my parading organization. And I've taken care of him for 15 years. I know his whole family. Um, he got admitted to the hospital two and a half weeks ago, and it just, you know, it just, it was staggering to see how quickly he got sick. It was uh, astonishing. He went from feeling better with the, what we had started in the hospital to um, that morning uh, coughing up pink phlegm, and then four hours later, he was um, actually, while I was on a call with Allidate, um with a clinic, um, he actually coded and had to be resuscitated in the hospital. I just I just saw him, and he he did he did very poorly, and um, we actually withdrew his life support um, about six days later. It's it's wow. been um, very emotional. It's been, I mean, we're talking to people about taking their about their parents dying of a disease they didn't even know about six weeks ago. It's a, you know it's just a terrible situation. It's not like you say they have lung cancer and they've been dying of it for six years or six months or getting treatment. They go from riding in a Mardi Gras parade to deceased in three weeks. Hmm. It's just, uh, it, we're not used to this. It's not, we're not used to disease like this. It's, uh, it's challenging everybody. Um, it's, it's, we're all off kilter. One of the things we've been hearing about from practices around the country is this really unexpected but awful situation where physicians are out there really trying to do the right thing day in, day out, but because people are on shelter-at-home orders, nobody's coming in, so there's no business, and providers still literally have to make payroll, and they have to pay the rent, and they have to pay the electric bill, but right when they are needed the most, there's not business coming in. 
How are you managing that? Right. So for, you know, we, we run a pretty busy office. We see a thousand patients a week between our providers. And uh, two weeks ago, we saw 48% of our normal patient load, which, you know, we're a multi-specialty clinic that, that would over the, over the month, if that continued, that would be $160,000 less income for the practice, um, which is unsustainable. You know, there's no profit in it. Um, so what we um, we very quickly realized that we had to get onto telemedicine, and by last Monday, we got telemedicine. We got an app. We got our doctors and nurse and nurse practitioners. We got our medical assistants and our phone people trained up. And by the end of the week, we had ten ten or eleven of our um, of our really our sixteen uh, office office-based uh, providers um, on telemedicine. Yesterday, I did 13 telemedicine visits and, and only two in-office visits. That is, been the, that is the only bright spot um, of a really uh, horrific, uh, really horrific three weeks of just seeing the town descend into illness. Um, the telemedicine has been the only part that's been a bright spot. How are you doing as far as supplies that you need? Well, the hospitals have, at least here, um, have a reasonable supply chain. Um, there, you know, some some people are reusing gowns, and um, I'm certainly reusing my N95 mask. Um, it's not in a crisis level. It's just a, it's at a concern. I, I'm on a daily phone call. I get to see the, I you know, I can see the how much. Uh, PPE, personal protective equipment, is being used every day across multiple hospitals, and and and, and the supply is going down. It's being replenished, but we're worried that they that the that the big resupply when they when they bought more materials that are but they may not come in for a couple of days, you know, till till April, early April. There may be a gap where it's going to get really tight. We we have yet to see that. We have still have ICU capacity, ventilator capacity locally, and they're. The hospitals are all surging. Um, now, I, I, that being said, I talked to a doctor in Cutoff, Louisiana today, about two hours ago, and um, he had one box of N95 masks that was so old that it literally, the, 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 the foam on the nose just fell apart. Um, and he really cannot do any testing in the office. He, 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 it's really not safe for him, for his staff. So, you know, he's not able to do testing in the office. He's sending it all out. Um, but it's really very hard to get any materials. You know, my office manager was knew about eye protection, and so she ordered us a case of, of goggles, like safety goggles for, like, you know, high school chemistry. And um, we, we went to reorder it on Amazon, and, you know, the goggle supply on Amazon is kind of going. Um, other people have gone to buy those respirators from the – paint stores uh, like Sherwin-Williams, and that's, they're gone. Uh, can't get them at Home Depot or Lowe's. Or, so there's a real shortage out there in the community, especially outside of the hospitals. Um, and that's, that's very challenging because you're asking people to come into work. You're asking our staff to come into work, be exposed to illness. You want to protect them. We don't have quite what we need. We have a lot of what we need, but not quite. It's not as robust as we'd like to have for protection and and then they're getting sick and it's really it's really a challenge to keep up morale and keep staffing and 
and have enough people here to take care of patients. Uh, and most of the clinics that I talk to in town are having challenges in, in keeping staffed or feeling like they have adequate supplies of um, masks and things. The government's really bought up everything. And I hope this doesn't sound like a, a glib comparison, but as you're speaking, what comes to mind, of course, is just Hurricane Katrina. Oh, this is this is like uh, the way I've described it is because in New Orleans we're pretty pretty used to disasters, so I, I liken this as 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 if the H1N1 flu outbreak came in on the re Katrina recovery, but there's no Tammy flu. It's 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 like there's a disaster with no treatment, and it's overwhelming. It's 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 overwhelming right now. How are you and your staff taking care of yourselves? Well, um, you know, I, I, I try and talk to my staff, both in my office, uh, nursing home, dialysis. Um, I try and talk to my staff and just give them a way to think about the level of anxiety they're having. Um, I've, I've tried to ask them to think about it in a sort of as a series of circles. So I've asked my staff to first, when their anxiety is really high, first think of themselves in a in a, using really using self-compassion as a guide, saying, well, I'm anxious right now, so let me make sure I'm taking care of myself. Am I washing my hands? Am I wearing a mask? Am I being careful when I touch doorknobs and things to use hand sanitizer? So am I taking care of myself? Um, and then then next worry that a lot of, that people have that's, that's overwhelming is, am I taking care of my family? Are my, is my parents, my auntie, my, my uncle, the elders in my family, are they protected? Are they, uh, are, are we dropping off groceries for them? Are they staying at home? Um, are they, uh, are they safe, really? And that, that's, an, that's a very low, high level of anxiety. And are my children safe? Um, and then, the, and so then when the anxiety, then it's, you know, what about, my, my employees, as a physician, I have employees. I have to make sure they're taken care of, that I'm getting them the protection they need. I'm, and in addition, I ask the employees, you know, are you being responsible to your coworkers? Is that person across the nursing station, are they wearing a mask? Are they gonna get you sick? So we've asked the employees really to uh, be, be, show a lot of compassion uh, towards each other. And then finally, it's the anxiety of taking care of patients who are sick, who are who are coming in with this terrible illness. Um, that's that's really hard. You can't see it. You can't you can't control it. There's no treatment. And so I've really asked uh, my my you know I've asked my physicians, I've asked my employees, I've asked staff members in different facilities. Really, when their anxieties are high, to be mindful of self, to be mindful of of family and mindful of their employees and coworkers and, and their patient care. And that whenever they're having a really hard time concentrating, really struggling to really just go through those, those circles of, of care to see if that will help them calm down, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing for themselves, their family, their coworkers, uh, and to be able to take care of patients. And it seems like that's a construct that's very helpful. How do you think those of us who have not been hit by this maelstrom yet can help? Well, that's great. Uh, I'm really glad you asked. Um, 
Like I had one of my patients text me today and said, can I bring something to your office? And I said, yes, they would love baked goods. They would love to have some cookies. Or He's sending, he, he got the local bakery. They're, they're sending baked goods over to my office for my office staff. Um, there are um, restaurants that are sending sending food to the doctors in the ICUs and the nurses in the ICUs. Um, when people ask me what we're going to need, we really need blood. We really need blood donors because we're really short on blood, um, which is essential. And it's, it's always during a crisis that blood donations kind of dry up. So then be, just be thoughtful towards the caregivers. Um, there's a need for it. Um, I have a lot of people texting me, just how are you? How are you holding in there? I'm in a men's book group. Someone calls me every day just to see how I'm doing because they know I'm working 12, 14-hour days. Um, and um, so if you're out there and you're listening, check in with your friends who are out there on the front lines. And um, they, will, they will really appreciate it. Dr. Josh Lowentritt, a physician, among many other things, in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thank you for taking the time and for the really amazing work you're doing down there. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate being on the call. I'm, I'm, I'm glad y'all are interested. Um, and um, I pray we're going to pray we're going to get through it.